Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Rep by Rep Strength Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Coach Stuart Young, Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coach at University of Kansas. Coach, thanks for joining us today. And uh, go ahead and give us a little intro about where you're at, what you're doing, athletes you're working with, et cetera. Yeah, thanks, Travis. Um, thanks for having me. Um, I'm, like you said, I'm currently Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coach at University of Kansas. Um, I've been here for uh, about four and a half years now. Um, I work right now directly with track and field and men's golf, um, and have previously worked with football here. Um, before I was at, uh, here in Kansas, I was at university of Alabama at Birmingham for uh, about three and a half years working with a number of sports. I started with baseball and football there. Um, when the football program got cut, um, I also worked with, uh, men's and women's tennis, uh, track and field, women's basketball, um, and then football again when, when they brought it back. And then before UAB, I was working at Sanford University, also in Birmingham, which is where I went to school. Um, I did softball, women's soccer, women's basketball, women's volleyball there. So um, in the last little over 10 years that I've been a strength conditioning coach, I've worked with uh, just about every sport directly in charge of every sport except for men's basketball. Um, and, and I guess, uh, rowing if, if that's a, you know, that's a little less common, um, of an Olympic sport in, in a lot of colleges. Um, and then I also, um, coach a weightlifting team, um, called true strength performance. And so, um, that's a little bit of in-person and a little bit of online kind of combination. It's, it's morphed throughout the years. Um, we're coming up on two years of kind of being a little bit more of an official thing. It started as just a a hobby and a passion of mine. And as I started learning about weightlifting and um, getting into it, more of it myself and using it with my teams and athletes, um, I started to enjoy it a lot more. And so I train and compete as a weightlifter. And then I, it honestly started with me coaching and, and training um, interns and other coaches that I worked with over the years and, and people that I worked with. And then that's kind of morphed from there into, um, uh, you know, having people uh, in several different states now that, that I coach and train that I've met through, uh, through the strength and conditioning field. And so, uh, that's kind of another, another passion of mine, um, that, that I like to do as well. So. Awesome. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, so are you USA level two, level three? Yeah. So they, um, it's, it's level three, but they don't call it level three now. So I took the level one and level two course, and then they kind of renamed it a couple of years ago. So they have a national coach, which is level three, which is what I have. And then they have an international coach and then a senior international coach. So what they did is they've kind of made it all, uh, the, the top three levels dependent upon the athletes that you coach and produce. And so, um, if you produce a certain number of national level athletes that make it to the national championships, then you're a national coach. And then if you get uh, several that they have different criteria for junior, senior, stuff like that, youth. Um, if you get several to international meets and international teams and you can become an international coach. And then once you've got a certain number, you become a senior international coach. And that's, I want to say there's maybe like 10 of those in the country. Right. Um, so yeah, maybe one day we'll get there. <laughs> all right. So it's all kind of trying to find that, that weightlifter that's going to finally get that international for you basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've got one girl that's, that's really close now. She's, um, the cat. I, yeah. Cat. Yeah. So yeah. I started, um, I started coaching her in 2014 
She was the first athlete I started coaching at UAB and she was an under a freshman undergrad there. And she just emailed me and was like, Hey, I see you have a weightlifting club. Um, I had a like a sport club with UAB. Um, and she was like, Hey, I've, I've done CrossFit, you know, growing up and I want to get into weightlifting. And I was like, all right. So we started and I learned a lot. She stuck with me through, through a lot. I probably would have fired myself a bunch of times by now, but, um, she stuck with me through a lot and learned, you know, I've learned a lot from her and, um, she's done really well. I, I want to say she's got close to 20 national medals now, um, throughout the years that we've been going to competitions and stuff. Um, and she's, she's about within about 10 kilos of making yeah. an international team next year, a senior international team. So, um, so we'll see. There'll be a couple of big meets. Uh, the Arnold in March will be a big meet if she if she wants to do that. She's she's a full time physical therapist now. She um, lives in Lawrence and works in Topeka, so it's nice to have her close by. But she's a full time physical therapist, so it's not always easy, like training schedule wise and then competition schedule wise. So she stays busy. Um, but yeah, yeah, man, that's that's one of the things. Like I've I've been following on Instagram what True Strength Performance is doing and you know, I keep up with your lifters that way and, you know, kind of track their stuff. But, um, that's the other thing that I run into with, you know, people who are on all sorts of time constraints. So, you know, you may have 30 minutes, 45 minutes with somebody and what's the most efficient way to get some, get some lifting in and get a lot of quality work is going to be snatches, clean and jerks and their derivatives, you know, but, uh, you know, anyway, I was, I was kind of asking you those questions there because, uh, you know, the little, little debate we've been seeing a little more recently about people talking about training athletes and feeling like such a dichotomy of, you know, do you, must you do trap bar jump shrugs or must you do Olympic lifting? Can you, can there be any gray area, you know? And, uh, you know, I like to exist in the gray, like for certain athletes, I've got some that can absolutely do the full Olympic lifts and no issue. Other ones, it's going to be derivatives and pulls from different positions. And other ones, it might be trap bar jump shrugs. But anyway, what are your thoughts? Like going from training specifically Olympic lifters who are going to competitions and athletes, is there a time and a place for both that you've seen or what, how does that look for you? Yeah, I think, I think there's a time and a place for both. The, the way I approach it with my, obviously, if you're a, a weightlifter, that, that's the sport. So that's what yeah, you got to do. Gotta um, do but, uh, but as an, as an athlete, um, I approach it from just kind of a standpoint of one, it's a skill and technique, first of all. So that's kind of how I approach it with them. Um, it can have, you know, the, the Olympic movements can have a lot of benefits, you know, when it comes to strength and power and force production and, uh, force, you know, absorption or, you know, receiving the load of a weight, um, and how we coach that, um, uh, the, the speed of contraction, contracting, relaxing quickly to be able to move fast, pulling under a bar, all these different things. We can talk about how that applies to athletics, right? Mm -hmm. Jumping, cutting, kicking, throwing, running, all these different things. And then also just the skill aspect of it, I think is a huge part too, right? What do our athletes do at practice? They, my athletes go to practice and they learn a skill, a technique, right? My track jumpers, 
they go to the long jump pit and their coach sits there and they do approach runs and he analyzes their technique and how many steps they're taking and where they need to start from and what foot they're taking off of and where their arms and their legs are going in the air. And right. Everything's that there's a technique to everything mm-hmm. in, in sport, right? Pitchers are learning a technique of their delivery and different, you know, grips on the ball and, um, you know, uh, golfers are learning the technique of a swing or a posture and a stance position or something like that. There's, there's a technique and a skill component to all of sports. So I I think one really overlooked aspect of weightlifting is just the fact that it is a very skilled movement. Right. And so like, I think there's a benefit from athletes learning a skill in the weight room, just like they learn a skill at practice. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think what we do in the weight room should be mindless. I think it's, you're learning a skill. And I, I kind of present it that way and approach it that way so that they understand that, Hey, I want their attention, you know, first and foremost, I want them to pay attention and focus on what we're doing. Cause it is a skill and it's going to involve thought. It's not just mindlessly lifting weights. Yep. Um, and, and then I, and then from there, I just approach it on a, on an individual basis. So I have a teaching progression um, I teach from basically the receiving position of each lift down to the start position, which eventually would be from the floor, but we have a bunch of different ways to modify where mm-hmm. the lift can start from. Um, so the receiving position of the clean is obviously a front squat or a front rack. So that's what we work on first. And a lot of times with cleans, if what I found in athletes across the board is that's the number one hurdle for people is mm-hmm. the front rack position. Yep. So we'll work on it. We'll, we'll work on the mobility needed. We'll work on front squatting. We'll work on two fingers under the bar, three fingers under the bar, you know, maybe no, no fingers under the bar, mm-hmm. your hands, you know, out straight or whatever to start. So we just progress through that. If there's injury or like a legitimate medical issue why they can't be in certain positions obviously i'm going to find something else for them to do um but if there's not then i want them to progress towards being able to do it because i know it's going to benefit them it's not just a oh i don't i don't like it i don't want to do it so i'm not going to do it um so that's that's the first the first thing and then i progress from the top down approach basically so we teach a like a high hang position from the hip and then we'll go down to below the knee a hang position just below the knee. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan. There, I think there's a benefit for weightlifting athletes for above knee work once they understand the lifts more. Right. But when I'm teaching someone to lift, even a weightlifter, I, I like to do my my hang work from what we call position two, which is a hang below the knee, because it teaches them to navigate the knees and and move back and forth and get the stretch on the hamstrings and and be able to hinge and squat and and do those things that are required. Um, when you're deadlifting or, you know, pulling from blocks below the knee or eventually going from the ground. Um, I think there's benefit to, to navigating and learning that movement. And I think when you only, in my experience, when you only do a bunch of above knee work, you can kind of get into some like cheating positions that don't really help you when you go below the knee. So somebody might be able to hang clean hundred kilos above the knee, no problem. And then you tell them to go below the knee and they don't know what the heck's going on. They can do like 60 or 70. Right. Um, and then uh, same thing with the snatch as well. We'll teach, you know, from, from the top down. And um, uh, honestly, I, I teach them the receiving position. I teach them the starting position, the posture I want. Um, and I tell them to jump and catch. I tell them to use their legs, drive the bar vertically as, as hard as they can um, and finish and move fast. And then we work on, uh, you know, 99%, 0.9% of athletes are going to catch in a power to start with anyways, you know, with just a minimal knee and hip flexion. 
And so then we'll work on, um, you know, the, the aspect of kind of pulling your body under the weight. And for athletes, I don't ever teach them like, Oh, you have to catch this at the very bottom, you know, right. at the bottom of a squat, like a weightlifter should. Um, but I will, I do want them to get the aspect and the feeling of, um, the, the coordination and timing of using your legs, using your arms and pulling your body into the receiving position, you know, uh, relaxing, being fast and then tensing and bracing for the load, um, and, and being ready for it when you catch it. And so we do different things. Like every day we do a, a weightlifting movement, we'll do a complex to warm up with just an empty bar. Um, and so like for cleans, I'll do what I call pull unders for cleans. And so that's where they start on their toes and or like a tall clean sometimes like, you know, Greg Everett for catalyst right. calls them that, but you'll start on your toes with your legs straight and, and then you'll just work on pulling under into the receiving position. So it's just kind of that like last part of the, of the lift. Um, and so, uh, that, that's how I teach the weightlifting movements. But like I said, if there's a part of that where someone has an issue where they can't, yes, I'll use poles. Um, or if someone has an injury, you know, and, and, you know, because of practice or competition or whatever, they, they can't do a certain aspect of it. Maybe there's a wrist injury or an elbow injury or a shoulder thing and they can't catch a lift. That's fine. Um, but I'll, I'll do pulls during that period of time. Um, uh, I've also done just, uh, even things like medicine ball throws, um, you know, weighted jumps, like you were saying, whether it's with a trap bar or dumbbells or something like that, some other type of plyometric or, or something, uh, they're not all the same. Uh, I understand that, but I think for the aspect of we're looking for a, a fast explosive movement, then I kind of will work those things in, um, uh, and, and, you know, sometimes I'll use loaded jumps, um, and medicine ball work in addition to weightlifting, you know, in, in certain periods of the season, um, I'll use those with my track athletes. A lot of times later in the week when we're closer to a, uh, um, a meet or something. So we might do snatches or cleans on Monday and Tuesday, and then maybe Wednesday or Thursday, we might do some medicine ball work or some lightly loaded jumps, you know, or maybe, uh, we might use like some dumbbells or kettlebells to load the eccentric portion of a jump and then drop them and do a box jump or something like that. And I use that as a little bit more of kind of like a nervous system, um, just to get them a stimulus of something, but, um, it's not very taxing to fatigue them. It's not going to make them sore. Um, but they're kind of, they're moving something fast and quick instead of, um, just not training the back half of every week for 15 weeks during right. track season. Um, so, and, and kind of leading into the meet and, and it, it's for my track kids, it's good. And it depends on the sport and the athlete, but like, they just like to do fast things anyway. So it makes them feel better. So I think there's a component of that too. Um, Psychological aspects because they're already yeah. twitchy. Yeah. Right. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I think that's the funny, the funny thing too, is there's a, I think there's a lot of people out there that want like a definitive answer for everything forever and always. And by and large, it's, well, it's dependent, you know, it depends on the situation. It depends on the athlete, you know, because for example, if you're teaching the clean and you're having kids go from hang power clean or whatever, you might give them different supplementary work because of where they're deficient or where the breakdown occurs. If, if you have the luxury of being in a small group or whatever, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's just too many, too much of the time people are like, well, it has to be X, Y, Z. So, right. I don't know. It all, it all depends on what you're after. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can, you can do things like, 
look at the, um, you know, you can look at velocities you're working with, right? And you can, uh, you know, another thing that a lot of times people don't and on social media when it's, you know, you, you either do Olympic lifts or you don't. Well, it, you know, we're just saying a category of exercises yeah. with weightlifting, right? Just and tools. Olympic lifts. Yeah. So, so we're talking about tools. Well, we haven't even talked about load prescription and volume mm-hmm. and intensity, right? So it's like, I, I can do a clean, you know, if my best cleans a hundred kilos, I can do a clean at 30 kilos or I can do a clean at hundred kilos, right? Just like a squat, right? We say, we say a squat is an exercise. Well, it all depends on what, what we're doing, you know, like what, what are the volumes and intensities? What, what's the velocity of the movement? If you want to look at that and what, what adaptation are we looking for? And then how are we going to use this tool to get it? And so I think that's another thing where people, um, you know, if, if, if I have an, an athlete that's, that's, trained and somewhat proficient in weightlifting, mm-hmm. they should be able to handle in a movement like the clean, um, a, a larger load, uh, and potentially move it at hopefully at faster speeds mm-hmm. than, than maybe like a trap bar jump, right? Like move the same load at faster speed. Right. So I should be able to clean hundred kilos faster than I could jump with hundred kilos on a trap bar. Um, and so I think that's another thing is, is looking at like, if I'm, if I'm doing loaded jumps with an athlete, then I'm probably going to maybe err on the lighter side. And I might be looking for a little bit more velocity, like mm-hmm. on that movement, you know, like I'm, I'm probably not just me personally, people might be different. They've done it. I'm probably not going to have someone do a hundred kilo loaded jump because yeah. just if they land the wrong way or something, you know, something that's just, and like I said, maybe I just don't do it enough to feel comfortable, but I'm just not going to do that. And so that that's kind of out. So that tool in my toolbox of loaded jumping would be more on the higher, you know, velocity end of the spectrum and lower on the absolute load. Whereas something like a, you know, a clean would be something that obviously I can prescribe it to be lighter and faster as well, but it gives me the option to go a little bit heavier and potentially a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with like a snatch or a jerk versus, uh, you know, a snatch versus a clean or a jerk versus a clean or a jerk versus a push press. Yep. The, the tool and the exercise and the movement I'm doing is going to, uh, dictate a little bit of my prescription range and like the velocity range I might be looking at. So a, a lot of times, personally, I like to use cleans on more like strength focused or uh, heavier intensity days or potentially lower body days. And then I like to use snatches and jerks um, more on, uh, you know, an upper body day, if that's what my programming is like, or just a lighter more explosive day, because those movements are going to be lighter and faster, especially when I'm talking about my athletes, you know, we're looking at snatch anywhere from 30 to 60 kilos, you know, 30 on the low end for some of my female athletes up to 60 for my guys for, you know, singles and doubles. Whereas cleans, we're going to be more like 40 or 50 up to hundred, 110, 120, mm-hmm. you know, just for, for who I'm working with right now. And so those are, those velocities are going to be a lot different. My peak velocity on a snatch is most likely going to be two and a half to three. And my peak velocity on a clean is most likely going to be one and a half to two. So mm-hmm. I've got a, you know, a decent, gap in the, in the range there. And so that, I think that's another thing that's kind of not always discussed in depth when we think about these things is it's just a kind of thrown out there. Like you have to use this or that, just like you said, I think it's the, it's a tool. And then how are you going to use it? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like this morning uh, with the group that I was working with. So being more, more tactical side, you know, short term where I'm working with these guys, it's, it's a little bit different situation, but, um, you know, there, there are two guys that came up to me today and couldn't do, uh, I had a 
clean complex just to get loose warm up with nothing heavy where it was, you know, hang power clean front squat push press and just one plus one plus one and two guys couldn't do it because of shoulder issues or whatever they have going on. And they ended up doing uh, banded, uh, X banded, uh, jump squats. And that's just cause there's like, there's legitimately 50 of them to, in a group. So mm-hmm. at the time that's just what we could do and still get this, the fast stimulus that I was after. So, um, anyway, but yeah, it's now with the velocity profiles, are you going off of, uh, like Dr. Brian Mann's velocity profile? Is that how you're determining that? Or is that just more of like your own experimentation? And that's what you've noticed. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Okay. I, um, I, I actually, with my athletes right now, I don't do like a velocity profile on their weightlifting movements. Um, I just kind of, you know, at the beginning of the semester, especially with the newer athletes that I'm teaching, we'll go over the technique and the progression. And when they get to the point where they're doing some of the, of the lifts, I can keep an eye and track their, what they're moving, what speed they're moving certain weights at. And I'll usually just in the session, prescribe that based on how it looks. Um, and then I can go back after the fact and see, okay, well, what did she do her 40 kilo, you know, cleans with, and you know, how, how fast was she moving the bar, et cetera, et cetera. Same thing with snatches and, and jerks. And then, um, and then I will use those numbers a lot of times, like I said, when it's, uh, in, uh, closer to competition, especially for track. Um, and we used to do this with football too, but closer to competition, use some of those velocity prescriptions to, um, minimize maybe the intensity on certain days and then emphasize the speed. So I'll just, you know, if we're doing like, we had an indoor meet a couple weeks ago and the, um, Thursday before the meet, we did some, uh, position two or hang snatches and, and we were staying above 2.8 meters per second. So that's just kind of on the faster end. And so that just by, by giving that prescription to them, and there's a few of them that I'll alter it because height does play a factor, you know, the taller you are, the faster you're going to move the bar. So some of the shorter ones, I'll have them come down, you know, a 10th of a meter per second or so. But when I give that prescription, then I'm just looking at, um, kind of putting a cap on the weight they can use because they have to move it at a certain um, at a certain speed. But I will use a, more of a full velocity profile for uh, bench bench press and squat. So uh, we'll do, um, I actually, uh, it's similar. I've read a lot of Brian Mann stuff, but I got this out of a book called Force. Oh yeah, the new one with uh, Dan. No, not, not, not that one. Goodness gracious. That's a whole nother podcast on that one, but <laughs> I want to talk actually, to him. Man. Yeah. That, I, I would like to talk to him too. Um, I think it would be interesting to, I want to see him coach. That's what I want to do. A lot of these people that write books, I want to see him coach. I want to be like, not with him knowing me. I want to be like a fly on the wall in the weight room. Yeah. And I want to see him coach his athletes and see what he does. Let me find, I'm going to find this because it's going to bother me now. <laughs> Um, uh, here force. Yeah. Force and power. Who's that by maximizing it's so the title is force and power maximizing performance with velocity based training. Uh, it is written by Tony Giuliano and Ty Terrell. Okay. Um, I got, I got the idea. I want to say I got the idea from Will Fleming. Yeah. Um, and then I've 
used it for several years now. I have several other coaches I know that I've used that have used it. Um, and basically it's a, it's a velocity profile where you start with, um, an unloaded, uh, body weight counter movement jump, and then you work up in the squat or if you do a bench press, obviously you don't do a jump, but in the squat, you do a counter movement jump and then you work all the way up to, you know, some, the way I do it with my athletes is I work up to something that's probably about 90% or so. And it depends, you know, it, it gets kind of hard because especially with, with athletes that are more elastic, it, it yeah. gets hard because you could say, you know, if you read the literature, you're like, Oh, well, your one rep max squat should be at 0.3 meters per second. Right. And your bench press should be about military press should be about 0.15 deadlift would be similar to that. Well, I've got, I've dealt with plenty of athletes that can't squat anything under about 0.55, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's slower than, if it's slower than that, they're missing it. Mm -hmm. And if they're not missing it, it's going to be fast, right? Like it's, there's, it's just boom. Whereas people like me can do some slower reps and kind of grind through. And so it really depends on the person, but I'll just kind of have them work up to what I feel like is a heavyish weight, the 85 to preferably 90% range of what I feel like, you know, if you don't have a number, you don't know the percentage, but that kind of perceived effort or that velocity. And then you just look at the relationship between the slope of their line and their jump. And then what they do is they, they have the equation, everything in there and they relate it to, they, they put them in two groups called a gorilla or a kangaroo. So the gorilla is kind of like your, your strong force. They call it a force-based athlete. So that's like your, your strong athlete, um, that's able to grind through some reps can produce high levels of force, but they don't do very well in the velocity end of the spectrum. And they probably aren't great at the stretch shortened cycle or activities similar to that, like elastic, you know, uh, jumping reactive movement, things like that, um, that require shorter ground contact times, um, and faster contraction velocities. And so a lot of times they'll, um, uh, that's, that's that category. And then the kangaroo is the other category which is more elastic athletes that are obviously more on the, the velocity end of the spectrum and less on the, um, like slow force production. So, so I would be on like the C group, which would be like the sloth group most likely, yeah. you know, cause yeah. like neither, neither, you know, but, uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I but yeah, I think, I think what I've seen from Will Fleming that you're talking about is where he's doing uh, he does a muscle snatch. I think it's like 50%, which ends up being like, I don't know. 50 or 60 kilos of muscle snatch and he'll muscle snatch that every day and then fig figure out what his expectations are based on that. So, um, yeah, like with, with my guys, what I'm doing right now is more of a conjugate, uh, style. So we have, we have purely like every day is total body. One day is power exclusively one day is strength exclusively. And, uh, Friday is more of a hypertrophy kind of underdeveloped muscle groupings. But, uh, anyway, for a while I was playing around with, uh, I was talking to Dr. Chris Tabor and, uh, gave me this idea of a, just a simple stoplight system. So basically they come in and they do three vertical jumps, three max effort vertical jumps. So you track their vert jump over time. And then whenever they break that, it's a green light day, which means we're going to, we're going to go. So we might add in some extra sets or chase a little bit heavier than intended because of whatever reasons, but they're feeling, feeling really good where if they drop off 5% of their best, then it's going to be a yellow day. So we might drop a set at a rep kind of thing. And then if they're dropping off 10% or more, it's a red light where we're going to drop two sets, but add two reps. So then it auto regulates, um, intensities and volumes over time. And, uh, something else I've, I've been playing with is 
with, and I'm sure you've done the same thing and have noticed the same thing is like with very competitive athletes, it's one of those things where you need to select exercises that force them to restrict how much weight they're going to lift because all of them are wanting to change or chase weight, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've started adding in exercises that are so novel to them where even though they want to like, you know, max out or push hard, they can't chase too heavy because it's so new to them. Uh, yeah. But I mean, is that anything where you'll structure like that. that throughout throughout the week or anything? Yeah. So I've done some similar stuff this time last year. I actually did a similar kind of breakdown, but we, I, I did it kind of almost, I got it from Christian Thibodeau, but it was almost like a, um, three total body days, but it was structured a little bit more, uh, on like muscle contraction, almost like triphasic type. So there was more of an eccentric focus day. There was an isometric focus day. And then there was a, just a more concentric, like normal or explosive repetition kind of focus day. Um, and then he also had like a fourth day in there with, um, kind of like what you were saying of like the underdeveloped muscle group kind of hypertrophy work in there. Um, and, and, and I kind of like that one thing that I will do now, we have the ability to track velocity at each of our racks for barbell movements. And so, um, I'll do what you were saying with kind of like, uh, trying to mitigate the, uh, people that want to maybe add weight all the time or competitive, you know, people, um, I'll have them compete on like velocity or power output. And yeah. so, uh, we'll do that. Like, uh, I'll, I'll make a little, uh, graphic or whatever. And if it's like, you know, 75% bench press or, you know, 65% squat with chains, we'll compete on velocity. And then I'll, you know, once the session's over, I'll go back and look and I'll rank them all from fastest to slowest and like put it up, um, out by the track or in the lounge or locker room or something. And that way it's kind of like, it gets them competitive, but it gets them to work on, you know, Hey, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to do 60% today. We're not getting any better. It's like, well, this is the stimulus I want for the day. So let's compete on the, you know, how fast you can move it, you know, stuff like right. that. So yeah. similar. Yeah. There was a, uh, there was something at Ball State where we would do, and we would, uh, set it up where basically like once you, you could keep the rules were like, you could keep going up in weight and you could hold and perform as many sets as you can until we see, you know, a velocity drop off of, you know, whatever it was, 0.25, 0.5 meters per second in two subsequent sets. So it's almost like a, like a game of force, you know, like, yeah. all right, that was your one. Like if you drop this one, you're done and then moving on. Yeah. So depending on work capacity, one guy might have 10 sets, one guy might have three or whatever. Um, yeah. but anyway, well, Hey man, I know you got to get rolling with your next group. So I want to respect your time and, um, get you out of here. But anyway, um, yeah. thank you very much for, for coming on and chatting for a few. I'd definitely like to do this again sometime and, uh, dive yeah, in absolutely. So um, but For yeah, sure. man, where's, uh, where's your, where are you at on social media? Where can people reach out to you and that kind of thing? You can. So the, my weightlifting team is just true strength performance on okay. Instagram. So you can check us out there. Sometimes I'm not the best. I try to, I, I need to be better about like daily or five or six days a week, put something out on that. But, um, I definitely post there multiple times a week. My personal Instagram is sjyoung29, but you might just get like pictures of like my daughter or just random thoughts I have. So I try not to post videos of me lifting anymore because nobody wants to see an old man lift anymore. <laughs> but but yeah, um, that's probably where you can find me the easiest. So All right, cool. Well, thanks again, yeah. and I'll talk to you later. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yep, see ya.
All right. See you.